1: On the Beck UL Network, Joe O, Joe G with you today on a Monday, a lot to dive into. We'll get to week six in the NFL. We'll get to Major League Baseball. It's the LDS set, both the American League and the NL. So baseball coming up. But right now, let's go to the GetMyPhoenix.com guest live. Brad Spielberger, pro football focus joining us. The Phoenix, a revolutionary technology helping men all across America get back to their best in the bedroom. Visit GetMyPhoenix.com to learn more. Brad, let's start with the game that yesterday Probably surprised some people. I know we, we had some – we went back and forth in the show last week about it because Cooper Rush, can he really win again? He's not playing all that great. But that defense in Dallas, Brad, that, that is what's impressive. Five straight games under 20 points allowed for the Dallas defense. How impressed are you with Dallas, this defense? And we can look ahead here, Brad. They go to Philadelphia on Sunday night, NFC's first place on the line.
0: Yeah I mean the entire NFC conference might be on the line given how the Packers and Rams and Buccaneers are playing so far this year I mean That defense is truly one of the best units in the NFL. Micah Parsons yesterday wasn't even 100% had a groin issue. You could tell he was kind of wincing in between snaps, but then would get set and get a pressure or a sack on Matt Stafford as soon as he was good to go. So, yeah, I mean, their linebackers are playing well. Their secondary is playing well. Travon Diggs is still being a lockdown guy, but not allowing you know 100 yards a game on top of that. So they're one of the best run units. Dan Quinn could be a head coach as early as next year. I'm fully buying that Dallas Cowboys defense.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, figuring out the NFC, good luck. We can all put the Eagles atop. And I think it's real. It's not an Arizona Cardinals situation that we saw last year. Um, it's real with the Eagles. And then the rest of it, go figure it out. If you want to put San Francisco there, could easily be 5-0. and I don't have a problem. But but how would you put the rest of it? We, because we were taking a look at it like coming into the year. It felt like the Rams were up there. The Packers were up there. You know, questions about all of these teams.
0: Yeah, so I, I've knocked the Rams and Packers out. I think they have legitimate problems right now. I mean, look, they'll probably still be playoff teams and they could get right, and, and Green Bay's still getting healthy, but just not a scary offense and just not a team you fear they need to be so perfect they just don't have they've had some explosive plays they're actually near the top of the league but just it's hard for them to get consistent in rhythm and i'm just worried about them long term so i would go philly first like you said i would still keep tampa mm-hmm. bay second but i think they also have some legitimate issues um and then it's san francisco i think they are you know deserving of that spot like you said they realistically could be 5 and 0 um, Nick Bosa also dealing with a groin injury, but their defense yesterday was just, I mean, poor Baker Mayfield could do nothing. Um, granted, he can really do nothing against anyone, but um, just a, a, a tough matchup for them uh, coming off a, obviously a bad beat before that. So yeah, they're, they're right up there. And then I, I think it's like you said, it's a question mark. You know, Dallas, Green Bay, you know, dealer's choice at that point. But it is one of the worst conferences I think we've seen in a long time. Minnesota 4-1, and one, but I don't think really a, a scary 4-1. and one. I think the AFC is just so far ahead right now.
2: Gi- Brad, and we- Giants 4-1. and one.
0: <laughs> I forgot about that. that. Yes. <laughs> so
1: because we forgot about them, yet they're a 4-1, I think it brings us to the Coach of the Year conversation. Give us your thoughts on what Brian Dable's doing right now because they have no weapons at wide receiver. He has Daniel Jones playing mistake-free football, and it just—it just feels like it's weird watching the Giants, Brad, as a well-coached football team. Since Tom Coughlin left, what seven years ago, they've been the opposite. Whether it be Pat Shermer, Ben McAdoo—I mean, forget Joe Judge—I mean, like they just have been awful. Uh, your thoughts on what Dable's doing, and do you think he is a viable coach of the year candidate right now?
0: Yeah, 100%. And they have an easy schedule going forward. So they could sneak into the playoffs and, you know, they're not going to win any playoff games probably, but they could do enough where his coach of the year, you know, candidacy is legitimate. And, and I would say, watch that game. So two things that really impressed me from him was A, the penalties were, you know, Green Bay was making more mistakes, committing more errors in that game than New York. And then B, you mentioned literally no receivers, no Wandale Robinson, no uh, Kenny Galladay, no Kadarius Toney. Daniel Jones, not even 100%, has a bum ankle, was bleeding out of his throwing hand almost the entire game. It wasn't, when when you see the upsets like that, you sometimes think, oh, maybe there were a couple fluky plays, some explosives or whatever. Yes, Saquon Barkley had a couple big gains, but they had methodical drives down the field picking away at this Green Bay defense that has just not been as good as they should be on paper, um, and a lot of it was Brian Dable just dialing up everything, just really emptying his bag in that game. I think not only is he a head coach of the year candidate, Wink Martindale, their defensive coordinator, should probably be you know in the coordinator of the year conversation as well.
2: So Dayball, your second favorite this morning. He was 18-1 to 1 going into the week, and now he's 10-1, to 1, second favorite behind Sirianni. Sirianni's even money. Dayball's second favorite, 10-1. to 1. Then it's McDaniel and O'Connell, both twelve to one. Doug Peterson and Staley, sixteen to one. Uh, a- as you know, the New York market—you live there—the New York market. If you get a buzzy team like Dayball, they're going to get all the hype. So I do think there's some value there. But somebody brought up to me, and I was kind of chuckled at it at first. I'm like, wait a second. You know, we see fluky seasons in the NFL all the time. Can the Jets put together a fluky season? Cause if so, Robert Sala is 75 to one.
0: That's a probably a great value bet. Cause I think also, you know, it's always about how do you outperform your season and win total. Stuff like that is really how you get into mm-hmm. the coach of the year conversation. Um, you know, how your team performs on your side of the ball, I think, is a big deal. And that defense is playing really good football right now. Their schedule is is magnitudes tougher than the than the other New York team. I think maybe that plays into it, but at the same time, that could also work in their favor if they go, you know, eight nine or in that range. The issue is you're not going to make the playoffs in the AFC, so some of those narratives come in. But credit to him because I had some question marks about him coming into this season. I thought as bad as the personnel was and the lack of talent there. The defense still should have been a little bit better. I think now we're seeing healthy Carl Lawson, Quentin Williams, plainly like the top three pick that we thought Quentin Williams would be, and then some of the other pieces there on the back end. Sauce Gardner is, is everything of a top five pick. Um, I, I think the value at seventy five to one is certainly worth putting a little bit on, you know, j- just for you know the heck of it.
1: Brad Spielberger is joining us from Pro Football Focus. Brad, as you were coming on the call, as we were coming back from break, we started talking among ourselves about the Bucs and that call yesterday. And Tom Brady, your thoughts on that call by Jerome Boger and the Bucs and the way they won that game yesterday. They outgained Atlanta by a lot. But, I mean, if that call goes the other way, Atlanta has the ball with their hands. Three minutes to go with a chance to go beat Tampa Bay, which would have been three straight losses at home. Your thoughts on the call and then where the Bucks are right now as they, um, they sit with the win yesterday.
0: Yeah, so Tampa did move the ball pretty effectively all day. But at the same time, Atlanta has one of, if not the worst pass rush units in the NFL. And that's what's been plaguing Brady is not just the loss of receivers, but when he didn't have Donovan Smith, his left tackle, they've obviously already lost their center and Ryan Jensen for the season and stuff like that. So you'd want them to score more given that they had he really had all, all the time in the world in the pocket. So the thing about the call, it was it was objectively a terrible penalty. There's literally no argument on that. If anything, I feel like Grady Jarrett almost kind of like Tried to hold up on how much he threw him like a rag doll. Um, I, I did. Someone pointed out to me though that it was a bit of a makeup call. And if you go back and watch there, I guess wasn't there was an ugly defensive pass interference the play before that probably should have been called and didn't. And so if you add that context again, I don't like makeup calls. I hate kind of that being how yeah. refs you know approach a game or approach. Hey, look, the play's over. It's done. You ca- you can't review it. You can't change it. So why should you just retroactively you know make something happen? Given that context, though, I, I saw the play. It it, it, adds, it certainly adds light to why that call was made.
2: Yeah, well, speaking of some controversy, last week people are killing John Harbaugh all over the place. And then I wonder if those same people are going to stick with their opinion that you've got to take the point. Now, in the end, end up winning the game. Okay, it worked out because you have the best kicker in the world, one of the best kickers to ever, ever do it. Uh, what did you think about Harbaugh? And it appeared that he changed the process from one week to the next, or what we've seen from Harbaugh year after year. They escape with a win. They do not cover the point spread. But just, you know, you didn't get the good Lamar. So it was a a tough one that they were just trying to fight through, get their first home victory. What did you think about what you saw from Harbaugh last night?
0: Yeah, I think the one thing there is is maybe looking at the play clock where they probably knew with three timeouts and what well, was a two-minute warning when they were in that situation, there was a lot of time left even if Cincinnati would drive down um, and score a touchdown as they did. I mean, look, it was still an obvious go situation. I think any model would tell you they probably should have gone. Um, But I would say I don't know if it's entirely just him you know, being afraid of the detractors and and getting yelled at in the media and all these things. Um, I think they also thought, look, we could maybe have a methodical drive. And you mentioned we have the best kicker in the history of the sport. All we would need is three points at that point. Um, So, you know, it was certainly interesting. You know, it's not the John Harbaugh we've come used to. But I think you mentioned Lamar was not a good passer yesterday, missed a bunch of wide open guys downfield. The biggest thing, and it showed up in the last drive, is Cincinnati, without DJ Reader, our highest-graded interior defender in the NFL this season so far, a really, really, really good player. When they were running that read option on the last drive, Lamar was just gashing up the middle, five, six, seven yards a clip because they couldn't get a push up front and, and and Baltimore was just dominating along the interior. So probably should have done it more during the game. Um, their running backs just have not been great so far this year. But I think there was a little bit of gamesmanship and thinking beyond just, you know, Harbaugh not wanting to get yelled at by, you know, the, the Stephen A. Smiths of the world again. But um, it was, you know, I think these these guys are getting scared because of what happens and we saw it in a different game again yesterday.
1: Yeah, Brad, speaking of yelling, everyone was yelling about Pete Carroll this past offseason. How do you let Russell Wilson go? How do you not just give him the keys? Well, he gave Geno Smith the keys, and they got a bunch of picks back for Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Geno yesterday, 16-25, to 25, three touchdowns, no picks, passer rating almost 140. Are we at the point now where we start to believe this is what Geno Smith is? Maybe not those numbers yesterday, but a good NFL quarterback. It's been so many years since he played. It's like I think we just assumed – Yeah, it's Geno Smith. He's a backup. He can't play. What are you seeing with Geno? And and how many weeks into a season do you start saying, all right, I'm going to kind of expect good performance from this player now?
0: Yeah, I mean, growth is not linear, and I think we're learning that lesson right now with Geno Smith, and I would say yesterday was big for me because, I mean, look, you look at the Detroit Lions defense now, and yes, 48 points against anyone is impressive, but I think the three of us could probably put up 21 points in the Detroit Lions defense with a couple guys around us, so the Saints have one of the best defenses in the NFL. They were healthy yesterday. Pretty much everyone played for them. No Marcus May at safety, but, you know, almost everyone played, and that is a really, really good defense at home in New Orleans, and Geno still put up a a major stat line. Was our highest graded quarterback again yesterday? It's two weeks in a row. Um, I, I think he's legit. I, I, I think you cannot argue. Look, it he, he might not sustain that and be the number one quarterback for the entire season, but I think he's a legit NFL quarterback. I will say, I think the Pete Carroll vindication is kind of funny because their defense, which he coaches, is maybe the worst defense besides the Detroit Lions in the NFL.
2: Yeah, yeah. How about those Lions? It, it, it's as we sometimes there are games that just become really crystal clear by the time you get to Sunday. And I think by the time they kicked off in Foxborough yesterday, anybody that's been paying attention, realizing that the Lions are first game outside, realizing that it's Belichick against Goff again, it's Belichick against Campbell, even though the Patriots go over 4 in the red zone, Damian Harris goes down to an injury, didn't matter. It was still just, just a
0: bloodbath, 29 nothing. Bailey Zappi, yeah, I mean, that's about as bad as it gets if you're the Detroit Lions. The outside note is huge. You know, playing in those domes, there's been a lot of wind-impacted games so far this season that have kind of kept, you know, scorings down for a lot of reasons, but I think that's an underrated one. Um, Yeah, I, I mean, that's just 29-0 against a third-string, fourth-round rookie quarterback who played pretty <laughs> well in that game. Yeah, they did kind of run all over the yard with Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris before he got hurt, but just about as bad as it gets. And that high-powered offense scoring zero points, with a bunch of turnovers. I mean, yeah, they're 1-4 and four now. This buy they had this week could not have come at a better time. But, you know, all that optimism and all that, you know, the hard knocks boost and all that stuff, pretty much out the window already, you know, by week six.
1: Brad, your thoughts on tonight, Monday Night Football between the Chiefs and the Raiders. The numbers bounce around 7, 7.5 at some spots. But MGM currently with a 7.5-point favor for the Chiefs. I mean, Mahomes has just rocked the uh, Raiders since he got in the NFL. Do you expect another big Mahomes performance tonight? And, And which side do you like in this game, Chiefs or the Raiders getting all those points?
0: Yeah, so first thing at Mahomes, I think it's going to be very fascinating to see. So last season, he scored 40 plus in both games, but their defensive coordinator last year was Gus Bradley, who plays a ton of cover one and cover three single high safety looks, which Mahomes absolutely torches. He's probably the best quarterback in the NFL against single high. It's why the entire NFL now deploys a ton of two high and has a bunch of different principles in the back end. Patrick Graham, the new defensive coordinator for the Las Vegas Raiders so far this season leads the NFL in the percentage of two-high safety shell looks, particularly in cover two, a little bit of quarters, cover six, all that stuff. So he does different things. He does what has given Mahomes trouble before, and I think that will be very interesting. That being Mm -hmm. said, now that the hook is on there and it's minus seven and a half, this is the thing we love to do here at PFF, where Patrick Mahomes over two and a half passing touchdowns is plus money. I think it's about plus 130, plus 140, depending on the book. That's kind of a, a different way to bet the Chiefs, or you're not laying a ton of points or you're not, you know, teasing or whatever the case may be. I like Mahomes over two and a half touchdown passes in this game, and, and they could still lose, but I think he will produce a lot of, you know, yards and, and touchdowns.
2: It'll be fascinating to see, after the result of tonight, if Pat Mahomes is really going to be a home dog next week to the Bills. Uh, anything anything really stand out at, at the first looks? I know you're going to be locked in on Bears Commanders coming up on Thursday. We're going to start to get some buys. Uh, but, but next week's slate, anything early uh, pop out to you?
0: Yeah, so I think Cincinnati, even though they lost, they obviously did cover for me, so maybe that's part of it. But I I think them getting points in New Orleans, we don't know if it's Jameis or Andy Dalton yet or the great Taysom Hill. Um, But Cincinnati's (laughs) defense is is legit. I I think they've proven that over the handful of, of games. They are a really good unit, and I think this offense will get back on track. They need T. Higgins to actually play. Um, you know, fantasy uh, rosters like myself. That was tough last night, but um, I, I think they should not be getting points in New Orleans. I think it's an interesting game with New Orleans. They came, Coming off London, they obviously played well uh, this week, but, you know, a bunch of explosive rushes from Taysom Hill kind of wins that game for them against an awful defense. So, I like Cincinnati there, and then New York. I, maybe, you know, it's because they're 4-1. and I'm letting that affect me, but Baltimore links six points on the road in New York against Wink Martindale. I mentioned the new Giants defensive coordinator. That is a huge revenge spot. Which, yes, yeah, kind of a narrative bet. But he wanted a raise and a and a um you know an extension this offseason for Baltimore. Instead, he got fired. I, I think he's going to be sending the house yeah. at Lamar Jackson at times. I think he's going to have everyone dialed in and dialed up. So those two jump off the page to me. And then you mentioned it. Mm-hmm. It might change. But whenever Patrick Mahomes, maybe for the rest of his career, whenever I can get him plus money or plus points at home, I'll probably bet it.
1: Yeah, I love that one. Brad, we appreciate you hopping on. Brad Spielberger of Pro Football Focus on thegetmyphoenix.com. Guest line, Brad, we'll catch up again soon. We'll dive in MLB next. The LDS or set four series. We'll dive in MLB playoffs next right here on the Becky Wall Network.